The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I'm your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason, and we are back for another episode, continuing our series on the Holy Scriptures from Chapter 1 of the London Baptist Confession. Uh, we started a couple episodes ago talking through the first six and a half chapters of the Confession and what it talks about with the Holy Scriptures, so we're going to get back into that today, continue on uh, for this episode. So in the next one, uh, going through the rest of the chapters in paragraphs, uh, paragraphs. Yeah, thanks for correcting me on that. Paragraphs. We're trying to get this right. Uh, the rest I hope of that's the- right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're going to get back into it and discuss the importance of uh, confessions. We'll talk a little bit about that, but really going through just point by point, I think it's really helpful. Uh, it provides us such a great structure to think through. Um, how we think about the scriptures and different angles that we're looking at and how uh, these men uh, hundreds of years ago have written about the same scriptures that we are uh, using today uh, to preach and learn and be encouraged and challenged and everything else about the Christian life and how it relates to scripture. So, well, let's just jump right back into our conversation. We're in chapter 1, paragraph 6, And we stopped last time halfway in the chapter, so we're going to begin uh, at the second half. If you didn't listen to the previous messages, we'd encourage you to go back uh, because we are continuing point by point to help give you some context of where we've been. So how about you go ahead and read uh, this next part for us, Jason? Yeah, so this is chapter one of the London Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689, uh, paragraph six. Second half. (laughs) We don't know. Article, chapter, paragraph, page 13 on my copy. I don't know. So here's what they, they write. Nevertheless, we acknowledge that the inward illumination of the spirit of God is necessary for a saving understanding of what is revealed in the word. We recognize that some circumstances concerning the worship of God and government of the church are common to human actions and organizations and are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian wisdom, following the general rules of the word, which must always be observed. Hmm. I think there's two parts in this second half of the paragraph that we need to look at. The first sentence is really one topic Mm -hmm. or uh, one thing to address. And then the second part is a whole nother uh, topic as we're looking for it. But as, as we're looking at this, it talks about this inward illumination of the spirit of God Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. necessary for saving understanding of what is revealed in the word. And so as we think about that, why is the Holy spirit of God so necessary to understand? So we can read the word of God and, and, understand contents but what are they trying to get at of understanding this revelation in the word yeah it seems it seems there there are a few things going on there one of them is these are christian scriptures and they're Mm -hmm. meant for christians 
to see, to understand, to grow from. Um, and only, uh, you can only understand if you've been regenerated, if you've been born again, if the spirit has done that work in you, because otherwise our minds are futile. Our thinking is futile. Um, we're dark, we're in, in darkness. And so I think it's, it's making the point that look, uh, yeah, earlier I think they were saying, look, there, there's all these things that you can, by necessary inference, you know, think about certain things in the scriptures. Okay, but the reality is to understand salvation, mm-hmm. it has to come from the Holy Spirit of God. Um, otherwise, you'll have a very fleshly understanding, which cannot lead you to know Christ um, experientially, not just cognitively. But your affections, your heart, you, you wouldn't know him and trust him uh, in a saving way unless the spirit of God were doing that work in you to allow you to understand it. Yeah, so let me give you an example of what I think about when we think about this distinction of understanding for salvation. Uh, a few weeks ago, or I think it was a month ago when I was here teaching Bible study on a Wednesday, yeah. I was teaching through the book of Proverbs. And we were just looking at how the Proverbs give us wisdom for life in all these different areas, mm-hmm. whether it's money, relationships we have with one another, looking at all different aspects of our life. I eventually get to the end of my talk on Proverbs, and I talk about how the Proverbs aren't just about how to live wisely on this earth. It's pointing to the greater wisdom that's only found in Christ, as the scripture says, that mm-hmm. wisdom is found in him, and that we're looking to him. He's, he has all the wisdom, and it leads to a knowledge of salvation. And I was interacting with a guy afterward mm-hmm. who had come. He was a guest, and he said it was so interesting because he said, I look at the Bible as great moral teaching. He said, I followed you along or with you along, about all this great teaching, and I thought, yeah, look how messed up my life could be in this. You know, I'm not living up. But he said, that connection to Christ just doesn't make sense to me. Interesting. And he struggled with seeing the scriptures more than just good moral teaching and actually finding the fulfillment in who Christ was and understanding his sin. And it was so interesting just interacting because that understanding that it's not just about morality it's not about good living Mm -hmm. or wise living right if it doesn't lead to the savior the connection hasn't been made of of the power of the word and that's what i think it's talking about here if the spirit of god isn't illuminating our hearts to understand our sin and our need for a savior then we'll just see it as a text for moral living yeah And, and and it's so important to you know connect that the Christian scriptures are not like other religious scriptures. Mm -hmm. It's not for moral living. Moral living comes out of your relationship with your Mm -hmm. relationship with Christ, but it's not, that's not what this book is about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of thinking through, I think in a couple of last episodes, we tried to talk a little bit about that too, but that's such an important point you're making. And I, I guess what stands out to me again, as I'm looking at it is the, the, the significance of seeing that, these scriptures are meant for the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. These are this is meant for spirit-filled, born-again, regenerated mm-hmm. Christians. Others can read it, but they're yeah. they're not gonna understand, grasp, be nurtured, nourished by it unless the spirit does a work in them and they 
again, have eyes now to see. That's why the Lord says, you know, those who have ears to hear, you know, if you have eyes to see, you're, you're going to see and understand. Otherwise it's not, you know, what's the other one that we talked about? You know, the sheep hear my voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for the sheep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being in, you know, a secular college where you take a class on and they talk about the Bible and you'd have it as literature and being in class with believers and unbelievers. And, and we get it. We understand uh, a Christ, but just seeing how people interact with it as just pure literature yeah. and just stories and, and tales. And they're not, they're, they're treating it like that. But as you say, it's, it's, it's for the believer. Yeah. It, it, you know, imagine the difference between, um, some random person finding a, a love letter that I've written to my wife mm-hmm. and just kind of reading it versus my wife reading it. Yeah. You know, in some way, that's probably a, flawed analogy i'm sure as most analogies are but but there's something to it that helps us see that look there's an intention here and and a target audience and the audience is filled by the same spirit as those who wrote were Mm -hmm. filled with this is the word of god the word of the holy spirit um and in order to understand it salvifically you know they they point to first corinthians 2 9 through 12 here i thought it was interesting I'll, i'll look at um just verses 11 and 12, 1 Corinthians 2, 11 and 12, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. He goes on to make it clear those who are the flesh, they don't understand the things of the spirit, mm-hmm. um, which I think is what they're alluding to here. Yeah, that's good. Let's let's look at the second section um, of this, and I'll ask you the question since I'm the host. You can explain <laughs> what they're trying to get at. This is an interesting statement they make here. Yeah. Uh, the next one about recognizing that some circumstances concerning the worship of God and God the government of the church are common to human actions and organizations and are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian wisdom. Following the general rules of the war, word, which must always be observed. What are they talking about? You know, I, I'm, I'm currently <laughs> reading two different books that are kind of on the, the background to the London Baptist Confession. Okay. Um, but I haven't completed them. So, uh, and I don't even know if they'll address this particular issue, but here's my best guess at what's going on here. Because I'm, I, I was think I was looking at the uh, Westminster Confession, which this is based on, yeah. and I believe it had the same, similar language at least. And I think what they're getting at is, look, every um, last directive or you know the, the details, the blueprints of exactly how we are to conduct our worship and how our churches are to be governed yeah. are not laid out in scripture. That's why, by the way, you have the denominational differences. <laughs> I think that we have, you got Presbyterians who have the the session of presbyters yeah. in their church. Then they're governed by a presbytery above that. And then a general assembly above that. Yeah. You've got this hierarchical structure. You've got Baptists who are like, no nah, man, we're all independent. That's just the way, <laughs> that's just the way we do things. Um, but they have elders that, that yeah. lead the church, et cetera. You know, so there are differences because it's not 
uh, I don't think with the kind of precision that today we might want, um, you know, it's not laid out for us, but as the authors here say, there are general rules of the word. And also this one I think is fascinating. The light of nature Mm -hmm. and Christian wisdom that, that leads to a whole different conversation about this idea of natural mm. law, right? This, this idea that there's a light of nature that is within yeah. man, the imprint of the image of God on us, that allows all of us, uh, even non-believers, I think we talked about it. I can't even remember now what we've talked about, Roger, but we've talked about it. <laughs> it's only been a few episodes that we've been talking. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but but this light of nature um, allows us to use human reasoning, okay, that's given to us by yeah. God, but then Christian wisdom directed by the word, all of this submitting yeah. to the word to come to some conclusions. Like, look, every Baptist church doesn't function exactly the same mm-hmm. way. Um, we know we, we hang out with other sister churches, people that we really love and appreciate our church government and our worship services. Yeah. They don't really look the same. Right. So I think that's what it's getting. What do you think? Is that, you think that's kind of on point what they're discussing? Yeah. And and if you think about it, we're talking about the London Baptist confession that's built on the Westminster (laughs) confession. We're talking about Presbyterians and Baptists couldn't be more different Mm -hmm. in how they're, church government is functioning. Yeah. You have even issues of doctrine that are, differ when we talk about baptism is, it's one of the main ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that they're getting at the word of God. Isn't giving the specifics of exactly how the order of worship and the government of the church is supposed to be run, yeah. uh, but that there is the wisdom that God has given to us yeah. to use. And that, it's not one church saying we have it and we're following exactly right. And every other church is wrong. Yeah. There is some freedom that seems to be given in how a church is even ordered, um, which allows this variety that we see. That's right. Um, and you think about that. I mean, there, do you know anywhere in scripture that says, Hey, have a call to worship and yeah. then followed by a prayer of invocation followed by, you know, we don't, we don't mm-hmm. see that laid out. And even, uh, I have this, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the Reformation liturgies. It's a massive book that goes through all these different liturgies or orders of worship from the Reformation. And there are a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences too. And there, like you said, there's freedom there. And I think that the essentials are all there. We'd Mm -hmm. all agree on the essentials that the word is being preached. Yep. Is it 30 minutes? Is it one hour? <laughs> That's up for, you know, disagreement and yep. debate. But the sacraments, we think about yes. the word, we think about communion and, yep. and the fellowship of the saints. There is, there's certain non-negotiables that exist with all churches, That's with right. all the variety. Um, but it seems that they're they're bringing that out. At least that's what I'm getting from yeah. uh, this part. But let, let's move on to the next yep. Paragraph. Paragraph. Gonna get it right. This is our episode to get all of this correct, right? We're okay. going to forget by the next one. <laughs> so chapter one, paragraph seven, some things in scripture are clearer than others. And some people understand the teachings more clearly than others. However, the things that must be known, believed and obeyed for salvation are so clearly set forth and explained in one part of scripture or another 
that both the educated and uneducated may achieve a sufficient understanding of them by properly using ordinary measures. That's great. Let's look at this again. I think it's broken up into two parts here. I think the first part uh, is, is general and then it gets very specific. So a general understanding that scripture is not always clear on every single issue. And then the uh, the specific teaching on salvation is clear. Uh, but I like that statement, that, that first statement about there's some things that are clearer than others, and some people understand the teachings more clearly than others. <laughs> I yeah. think that in every debate over something, you think you understand it clearly, more clearly than the other person if you're arguing over a certain point. But But mm-hmm. as you think about that, as they bring that out, and I think they reference here at Second Peter three, uh, sixteen, um, where they're talking about clarity. And let me just read that for yeah. us. Mm-hmm. As he does in all of his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because at first glance, it would seem like he's talking about just scripture in general, that there's some things that are clear and some things that aren't. But as as they're looking at this reference, it seems to be that there's this intentionality of twisting scripture. Um, wh- what do you think? What do you think they're bringing out here and and making that comment and referencing Second Peter? Well, I think the comment is saying uh, what what. You know, I think it's, it's kind of clearly laid out there that, hey, look, there's some things, there's some passages, some parts of Scripture that are super clear mm-hmm. uh, and and some parts that are not so clear. I mean, for instance, the entire book of Revelation, super clear, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Daniel, the second half, really clear, right? No. Uh, Especially the, Romans uh, 7, it's absolutely clear. I mean, uh, I'm right and you're right. We just disagree on who's right. <laughs> let's not go to Romans 7, at least not yet. But So there's some parts, right, that are that are clear and other parts that are harder to understand. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like that they put it in, hey, you know, some people have a better understanding, yeah. right, a clearer understanding. And and that's to that's to say that you know what there there are right answers to what the scriptures are saying. Mm-hmm. It's not just a free for all. Um, there is a right way of understanding. There's something that it is teaching, and we yeah. seek after that. It's part of our worship of God. We want to know truth. Um, okay, so that's true, and that they're re- referencing this passage where Peter is acknowledging. Number one, he's acknowledging Paul's letters. Yeah. As scripture, which is fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. But he's also saying, man, there's some things that Paul writes that are harder to understand. <laughs> and and it's true. Uh, sometimes, for instance, in the book of Romans, as Paul's digging deep yeah. into the, the depths of the gospel, there are some things that are wonderfully simple in the gospel, right? Um, but then there's, as you navigate that and look deeper and deeper, it gets more and more amazing okay. and, and deep. And there are some things that are a little bit harder to understand. And that's okay because the clear parts or the parts that are necessary, this is that second half, for salvation, the things that are required yeah. of us so that we can have a right relationship with God are clear. Did you ever find, going back to that first part, that in seminary, it seemed that everything was clear. And then over time, as you're in ministry, 
things are less clear than they seemed when you were studying it in that context. So this is where the difference in our <laughs> seminary background is okay. going to play out a little. Um, I'm not saying that our seminary was full of more humility. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm not saying that. I might be saying that, but I'm not clearly at least. Well, we, saying we probably that. need to clarify which one we're referring to because we we both have been to two different multiple seminaries. seminaries. That's true. Okay, my l- lower level work, my MDiv and THM, but but I, I do think that. As seminarians, though, especially young seminarians, yeah, we do think every time we read something, we're like, "See, we got this." Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, at. Uh-huh. I know. I'm just missing. <laughs> but, but yeah, absolutely, we did think. You know, we come out of seminary with the sense that we know it, and now we simply need to teach it. Yeah. Um, and now, after I can't believe it's been, I mean, twenty yeah. some odd years in ministry, and I realize now more than ever that I just yeah. don't know that much. I think the more you get into dealing with people's lives and the questions that come up, like scripture doesn't address this. I have no idea. It's not clear. It's not. I was even talking to a brother this week and he brought up this issue and he was so clear. He thought he was, it was just an open and shut case. Yeah. I'm like, are you sure? And we were just talking through it, through it. And I'm like, you see, there's complexity. You can't just pinpoint something so clearly and say that, you know, we're complex beings and sometimes scripture doesn't address those specifically. So yeah. just a thought on that, but, but scripture does speak in clarity after saying about what must be known, believed and obeyed for salvation. Yep. And how, do, how, how does scripture bring that out? How does that clarity come out and our response or, or scripture's call to respond to that truth that's different than other things that we experience as we're reading in scripture. Um, I mean, if you, I guess the, the, the key is there is a a central theme in scripture Mm -hmm. and this is where, and we're going to try hopefully at some point to talk about the covenants and and covenant Mm -hmm. theology too. There's a central storyline in scripture that comes out throughout both the old Testament and the new Testament. That theme that is developed Christ, Christ, our savior, right? Christ, our Mm -hmm. salvation. You can't miss it when you're studying the Mm -hmm. gospels, when you're studying Paul's letters, honestly, when you're studying the old covenant and the old Testament, it's pointing forward to Mm -hmm. this. I mean, think about the sacrificial system. Think about the Levitical law. Think about all this and how it comes together in Isaiah 52 and 53 Mm -hmm. and all these things. You can't miss it. Sin is the problem. Christ is. And his death and resurrection, the solution. Yep. So it's the theme of scripture. It's the central storyline of scripture. Um, those other things that are are wonderful and glorious and important. I'm not saying they're not important. But there are some things like as we think about the mind of God, the decrees of God, the ordo salutis, you know, all these things. You're going, okay, are those spoken of with the same clarity? And the answer is no. Yeah. And that's okay because that's not required for the, the salvation of the saints. Yeah, and that's why they talk about how that understanding of the central theme, the educated and uneducated yep. may achieve a sufficient understanding. A child who is five years old can yep. have the understanding of what their problem is and the solution found in Christ. Amen. Somebody who's 
older and is, is educated can understand that. Somebody who's older, uneducated can understand the central theme is clear to us. So important. I was talking to my brother, actually, and we had a, a great aunt who, from what we know, was deaf and mute from childhood. Wow. Okay. And so we would communicate through our own <laughs> made up version of sign language because <laughs> she didn't know like any official sign language. Um, but my, this, my elder brother and I, we were talking about this and we're all of us convinced that she came to a saving knowledge of Christ Jesus just by the way she was able to communicate to us what she, how she believed and what she trusted of the savior, even though she had never heard, you know, the yeah. preaching of the gospel. She, I don't think she could read. I'm trying to remember. I don't think she could even read, but somehow the, the, gospel is simple mm-hmm. and can be understood even by the most uneducated yeah. but uh, but dear saint mm-hmm. isn't it interesting though that we think about that and we think the gospel is simple right the mm-hmm. message of the gospel is simple yeah. but then you hear at times people try to explain the gospel and it becomes complicated or confused yeah. we we often get it wrong in our explanations or, or people express it in a way that's not clear yeah. that the method, the simple message is then, you know, things are added on to it or things that have nothing to do with what actually occurred. What Jesus actually did becomes the gospel. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's part of why we weren't meaning to go on this uh, to, today yet, but I mean, it's one of the reasons why confessions catechisms yeah. are so important. One of the things that I've been noticing is, you know, the the confession helps to give a big picture view Mm -hmm. of the whole counsel of God. Sometimes when we're in churches where we're, we're exegeting passage after passage, you know, preaching through, through a book of the Bible, it's great. We can dig into those, but if we're not preaching the whole system of doctrine found in the scriptures and we get like, what if I taught through, I don't know, pick a book and you know, some people take like so many years to teach through a book. You could miss out on the, the themes and the system of truth, the, the gospel realities because you're so focused on one particular text. And I think that's what these confessions and catechisms help with to yeah. give us a clear sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, we have another paragraph to look at, and this one is quite long. Um, Looking at paragraph number eight, uh, we can start it, and then we're going to pick this up next time um, and finish off this chapter. Um, But you want to go ahead and read to us, and we'll probably use this as just looking at some general thoughts and really dig into it next time. Yeah, this is uh, paragraph eight of chapter one. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the native language of the ancient people of God. The New Testament was written in Greek, which at the time it was written was most widely known to the nations. These testaments were inspired directly by God and by his unique care and providence were kept pure down through the ages. They are therefore true and authoritative so that in all religious controversies, the church must make their ultimate appeal to them. All God's people have a right to and a claim on the scriptures and are commanded in the fear of God to read and search them. Not all of God's people know these original languages, 
So the scriptures are to be translated into the common language of every nation to which they come. In this way, the word of God may dwell richly in all so that they may worship him in an acceptable manner and through patience and the comfort of the scriptures may have hope. Great statement. Yeah, that's a very full statement. And um, uh, looking at the original languages it was written in and then it being translated, you just think of the context Mm -hmm. of when this was written. You think of the Catholic Church, that it wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't kept in the common language when it was started to come out. That's when people can search and know the scriptures. And I love how they talk about in people's own language and right. tongue yep. that it's translated in all these different languages. So people can search and know the scriptures for themselves. Yeah. Such an important part of the reformation, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put it in the vulgar language, the language of the people so that they can understand, which interestingly, I believe the word Vulgate comes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a lot earlier. But anyway, so something was lost in the in the Middle Ages or <laughs> somewhere. But I, I love the fact that it says, um, uh, where is it? All God's people have a right to and a claim on the scriptures. It's for the people of God. It's not yeah. for the clergy. Yeah. It's not just the pastors and the elders. It's not the priests. The word of God belongs to the people of God, mm-hmm. the bride of Christ. Yeah. Well, these are, you know, just taking a cursory look at it. Uh, we should pick this up next time yeah. and uh, look deeper into what they're talking about. And even thinking about the scriptures being written in Hebrew and Greek initially and then being translated yeah. into English and some of the thoughts behind that and, and why we trust the scriptures and different translations and all that. But mm-hmm. we'll uh, get into that next time. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts you have? Um just thinking about the fact that this was written some 400 years ago mm. or, or so close to 300 and some odd years ago um, and how helpful mm. it still is. And uh, we're so grateful for the people of God who came before us, um, who help us to learn and understand. It, you know, it was talking about some that have a clearer understanding. Sometimes we look back at our elder statesmen in the past or these, these churchmen, they did have in some ways a clearer understanding and they're able to help us now. And I I just hope people will appreciate um, that we're not living in this vacuum by ourselves for the first time reading the scriptures. No, we we have a, a whole historic group around us, all of God's people for all these centuries that help us read. I think the illustration is we're standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Amen. Yep. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and enjoying going through the confession. We'll put in the show notes um, a, a link to the online version of the confession that we're using, but we encourage you to come back and listen next time. If you have any questions or comments, uh, send them our way. Send an email to us. Criticisms, they only go to Jason, but (laughs) if you have any feedback, let us know, and we hope that you will join us next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff Podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.